good morning, everyone. Everyone okay? Everyone? Have you noticed our new sound system? I don't know if you noticed that. All you, everyone's like, oh, the sound is new. Yes, we waited like three months <laughs> for this sound. Um, but we are so grateful to be in the house of God, and I'm really looking forward to this message today and to being with you um, in the next few minutes. But we have been doing this uh, message series called Meals for Jesus. If you're new here, um, this Meals with Jesus is the message series that we started at the beginning of the year, just in the second Sunday. Um, Ruben opened it up, then Dina followed last week, and then today is my turn. And so I just want to get straight into this meal. We're going to get straight into the passage today, if you will read with me. I want to invite you to stand to read this passage with me. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Lord, I pray that you speak through this message today. I pray that my words will be your words and that you will speak straight to our heart, remind us of who you are, and draw us nearer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So if you were here a few weeks ago, when we started the year, Ruben and I tag team preached the first Sunday of the year. It was almost like a, we're both preachers, so it was supposed to be 20 minutes, 20 minutes, but it was more like 30, 30, 40, 40, something like that. So you endured our message. But we called the first message of the year, Lean In. Because these two words, they encapsulate our hearts for this year. They encapsulate what we want for us and for you as a church to lean into the heart of God, to lean into his presence, to get to know him more, to spend time with him, to seek him first, to be in his presence. And today, as I shared with the team before the service, is going to be a very personal message for me because it is it is an overflow of what God has been speaking to me in private. It is a repetition of the kinds of conversations that we've been having in our house. See, as the year started, I was really wrestling with this tension of being a compulsive doer, <laughs> but knowing that God also calls us to be still in his presence. And, and in our conversations at home, I use this analogy of Mary and Martha a lot. You know, Mary, the contemplative uh, prayer warrior. And then Martha, this doer that is constantly serving her neighbors and, and wanting to be practical. In fact, Reuben and I, we called some dear friends of ours in Scotland, or pastors over there, and, and we asked them this question. They've been in ministry for over 25 years, and we asked them, how do you find this balance between Mary and Martha? And in so many of my conversations, I've been using this analogy to express my difficulty to understand what, what does Jesus expect of me? What does Jesus expect of us? 
And so my dear husband who um, designs the message series and usually he's the one who does the schedule of who's going to preach on what. This week on Monday I went to see what am I preaching on and it was Mary and Martha. <laughs> it was almost like he said, well, you have so many questions about this, so preach on it. <laughs> and so this week I've really dug into this story, dug into this passage and, and, and God has spoken so much into my heart. See, how many of you would agree that we live in an age of busyness and distraction? Like you ask somebody, how was your week? And the standard answer is busy. I had a meeting with some people on Friday. It was scheduled. It was a big company in Portugal with the Lisbon Project. And we had a meeting booked for 3 p.m. And it was just the biggest confusion because they had booked three other meetings for the same time and just mixed it all up. And it was a huge confusion. And, and we're always meeting. We're constantly doing something, planning something, meeting someone, texting someone, talking about someone. We're traveling, we're getting married, we're having kids, we're making sure those kids survive to the next day. We're enjoying entertainment, we're climbing the career ladder, we're saving up for retirement, we're making the most out of that retirement, and we're nonstop, busy, busy, busy. Man, I'm tired just describing the pace of our lives. And while so many of these things are good, while so many of these things God can use to be a blessing for us and for the people around us, I think that our generation has bought into this lie that somehow the more that we do, the more that we can control. And that has resulted in this generation struggling with anxiety like never before, struggling with burnouts and depression like never before. Because we live our lives chasing after the things that, that give us this false sense of control. If I just work harder, if I just earn more money, if I invest more time, if I eat the right foods, if I put myself out there more, then I can control the outcomes of my life. Heck, we even think that we can control the longevity of our lives. And we come to this resounding conclusion that I do, therefore I have, therefore I am. And yet the word tells us and sometimes life will give you this rude awakening that you are not in control. The Bible says that we can't even add another day to our lives. That you are so absolutely and utterly dependent on God. The very breath that, that you breathe, the very air that comes into your lungs, you depend on God. The fact that you will wake up in the morning tomorrow or not, you are dependent on God. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. Say this with me. And in him all things hold together. In him all things hold together. We spend so much time trying to control every area of our lives that we become too busy to spend time with the one who truly is in control. I want to invite you to do something with me this morning. Pull out your phones. If, you can. if you're on Spotify listening or on live stream, then this isn't for you. But if you are here, then pull out your phones, please. This amazing piece of technology where we do our online banking and our WhatsApp with our family spread throughout the world and our notifications of social media and our games when we're bored and all of that stuff. I want you to pull it out. The iPhone has this incredible feature. 
and I don't know if you've upgraded your iPhone or not, but it goes like this. You click these two buttons for a period of time, and the slide button appears. And if you slide it, it turns off. I don't know if your phone has this feature or not. I'm assuming it does, whether you have an iPhone or not. I want to challenge you to turn it off. Some of you are looking with fear in your eyes. <laughs> Is she serious? I am serious. I want to invite you to turn off your phone. I know this causes a little anxiety, a little discomfort, having my phone off for the next 30 minutes. But I want to challenge you in a very practical way to take the step to turn your full attention to the Word of God this morning. Turn your full attention. Relinquish control for a second. Relinquish all your... Stop with all the distractions and everything you have going on and just turn your full attention to the one who longs for your time to the one who longs for you to be still and just to listen for a moment. Turn your attention and surrender to the one who can radically change you. One word from him, and that can change your life forever. See, Martin Luther, he, he once said, I have so much to do today that I must spend the first four hours in prayer. What? Like, does he know my life? I have so much to do today that I must spend the first four hours of prayer. This is completely counterintuitive, but this is a man who understood the prayer of Solomon in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds my career, then it's meaningless. Unless the Lord is in and through my family and, and guiding the way that, I, the way that I raise my kids, then it's meaningless. Unless the Lord is in all my plans and unless I submit my will to him and hear from him, then it's meaningless. This is a man who understood that he didn't want to just do things for God, but he wanted to do things with God and through God. And so if we turn to the story today, we read that Jesus went to have a meal with some good friends. And right in the first verse, we are introduced to Martha as she opens her home for Jesus to come and to eat with them. Now, there is something beautiful about hospitality. In 1 Peter 4 and in Romans 12, the Bible describes hospitality and this loving service as a spiritual gift. It is beautiful to open up your home and let people in and serve them with all of your love and with all of your care. And so Martha, she was serving Jesus. She was probably wanting everything to be perfect for Jesus. If you come to our house, you will see that Reuben and I have two very different styles of hospitality. I think actually one is hospitality and the other one just isn't. <laughs> But it, it's very influenced by the way that we grew up. I grew up with a mom that if you were coming, especially if you were coming to stay for a couple of days, she would guide you, leave your suitcases, she would guide you to the kitchen. Here are the plates, here are the glasses, here's the fridge, here's the, how the microphone works, mi casa tu casa, good. <laughs> Whereas Reuben grew up with his mom that just comes and she serves you and she makes sure that you have everything. And so if you come to our home, I will show you where the kitchen is <laughs> and invite you to use it. And Reuben, no, Reuben doesn't want you to stand. He wants you to just sit and to, to relax and he'll bring you all the different choices of tea and he'll bring you milk and honey and sugar, even if you're not even going to touch it. But he just wants you to, to be well and to feel cared for and so it is beautiful to make someone feel loved in your home when you open up your home and so that's what Martha was doing for Jesus she was using that gift that she had 
I think many times we read the story and we villainize Martha. I mean, after all, if you read the story, Jesus was correcting her. He's rebuking her. Or we make these attitudes mutually exclusive. You know, you're either Mary and you're just in prayer. Or you're a Martha and you're practically helping and serving your neighbor. And you're one or the other. But before we move forward today, it is important to understand that these attitudes are not opposed to each other. But they are to be lived out as essential aspects of Christian life. Yes, Jesus was correcting Martha, but not because she was a doer. Just a few verses earlier in Luke chapter 10, Jesus was telling his disciples the story of the Good Samaritan. This is a story that is all about doing. Jesus values a doer. It's a story about, about the Christian responsibility to live out our spirituality and practical deeds to meet the needs of others. If you look in James chapter 2, we read that faith without works is dead. And so the problem with Martha's actions was not that she was doing things that Jesus doesn't value. Jesus values hospitality. Jesus values service. The problem was that she was consumed and distracted with much serving. And here's the key. When she complains about her sister to Jesus, she reveals that in her heart, she considered what she was doing to be more essential than what, Marth, what Mary was doing sitting at the feet of Jesus. And so despite her good intentions, in the midst of all her busyness, in the midst of trying to make sure the food was good and the candles were lit and the table was set and everybody had what they, had, what they needed to have, Jesus kindly and gently says, Martha, Martha. And so many of us have great intentions. You're not busy just to be busy. Like many of you are busy because you want to, you want to provide for your families or, or you're studying and you want to honor the effort and the investment that your parents made in your life or you're trying to bring your family to Portugal and you have to, you have to sacrifice for it and you have to work for it and, and, and we want to help our neighbors and help the people around us and we have good intentions because we want to serve the Lord. And so we're busy, and I look at Riverside Lisbon, and I am so excited of what God is doing in this church. I look around you, and I see so many talented and passionate people, and man, I just want to create structures and teams so that you can serve more and serve better and be a blessing. And I want to improve our communication as a church so that if you're new, you can connect more easily and know who you need to speak to and, and just be in the right place for the right time. I look at... At the Lisbon Project, I lead the Lisbon Project, a nonprofit where we serve migrants and refugees. And I am so driven by the impact that we can create on so many lives through employment opportunities and through education, learning Portuguese and pro bono um, sessions with lawyers and community building activities. And all of a sudden, as this year started, I just heard this quiet, gentle voice, Gabby, Gabby. Just calling my attention from all my good intentions and gently showing me that I might be missing what matters most. See, I'm the pastor of this church. And quite honestly, I'm embarrassed to tell you how much time I spent last year at the feet of Jesus. Not like just driving and praying, not going for a run and praying. No, just really actually at the feet of Jesus listening and speaking to him. And perhaps this morning, 
Jesus is calling your name out of your busyness and all the distractions and inviting you to prioritize him, Jesus himself. You see, all our service and all our actions, they must flow out of our relationship with the Lord. Martha's problem was not that she was serving. It was that she was distracted and worried about many things. She couldn't stop. Maybe she didn't even want to stop. And for different reasons, some of us don't want to stop. We're too afraid to stop. In a culture of hectic schedules and the relentless pursuit of productivity, we are tempted to measure our worth by how much we do, how much we accomplish, or how well we meet the expectations of others. Listen, no one is busier than someone trying to meet the expectations of others. So if you, if you stop, if you just slow down, then who are you anyway? Well, the Bible says in John chapter 1, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You are a child of God. This is who you are. And being his is more than enough. You are perfectly loved. You were perfectly made. You are perfectly called. Some of you are too afraid to stop because it's so much easier to keep going. We want to build our lives and we want to change the world. And there is so much to do around us. We have so many plans. We have so many dreams. And yes, we include Jesus in it. Like Jesus, we just say these prayers. I'm going to walk through that door over there. Can you just make sure it opens? Jesus, I, I have this plan and, and it's such a good plan. And I know that you must like it. Can you just provide some resources so that it works out? And so we include Jesus in it. But the problem is that we're chasing experiences and results and fruit and impact and not Jesus himself. Not him. So wait, Gabby, in the midst of all that I have to do and all that I want to do, you're asking me to just go in my room and pray? That doesn't sound fun. That doesn't sound exciting. And deep down, maybe there's this fear that God won't show up. Like all these other people at church talking about their devotional time. Oh, God spoke so much to me. I was just crying in his presence. He's just revealing who he is to me. Oh, it's so good. And you're over here thinking about your quiet time with Jesus going, yeah, that doesn't really, it's not really how it goes down with me. <laughs> well, Jesus said, when you pray, Go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. The more that I think about this verse, the more that I understand that the reward is Jesus himself. When you go into your room and you pray and you pour out your heart and you thank him for who he is and all that he has done, more than his blessings, more than the answers to your prayers, he will reward you with himself and with his unfailing love for you, reminding you of who you are in him. But the devil is a liar, and so he will start telling you when you start thinking, ah, oh, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to spend some quiet time with the Lord. When you shut the door behind you, the devil's going to start telling you, he doesn't care. He's not going to listen. 
He's not going to move. He's too busy for you. He's not going to forgive you. He's not going to have mercy. Do you know what, you, what you've done? Remember what you did? And it's just lie after lie after lie. See, when Jesus went to the desert to pray and spend time with the Father, the devil showed up and started telling him all kinds of lies and picking on his needs to manipulate his heart. And each time Jesus replied with the truth found in the word of God, I want to encourage you when the devil starts to send lies to you to just reply with the word of God, proclaim the promises of God. This week I went to speak to Dina later in the week and we we like to give each other feedback on our messages not because the word needs any changing but because our delivery falls so short so many times <laughs> and so i went to give him feedback of the things that that i loved about his message and maybe things that that i would just encourage him to work on and one of the questions that i had for dina was dina why do you after every passage that you read you know he'll read a scripture and after every passage he'll go and this is the word of the lord <laughs> So why do you say that every time? Like it has a scripture right there, Matthew 6, 6. Why do you need to remind us? We know it's the word of the Lord. And he goes, well, I say it because maybe there's people who need reminding or maybe there's new people in the church that need to be reminded that this is not just the Bible. It's not just a book. It's not just man-made. It is the word of the Lord. Like it is the God-breathed word of God, this God of the universe, this Father that we are worshiping, the Lord of lords. These words are from him to us. This is the word of the Lord. And so I want to encourage you that when the devil starts feeding you lies, when you go into your room or you spend time and you're just going to pray in the presence of God and the devil starts saying that he doesn't care and the devil starts saying that he's not going to move, that you will just proclaim the word of the Lord. If you don't know what to say, then just open up your Bible and start proclaiming that he is with you. Start proclaiming what the promise that, hey, don't be afraid because I will go with you. Start proclaiming that he has the ability to heal start proclaiming that he is the God who is in control of all resources start proclaiming not something that that you are inventing or you are making up or you're trying so hard to believe start proclaiming the word of the Lord remind your soul of who he is and his love for you his promises over your life see I had to take a promise that I found in scripture and, and I had to tattoo it on my shoulder. I know not all of you are into tattoos, so bear with me. But I needed a daily reminder of this promise found in Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. And I needed to remind my soul that in the times that it feels like he's far away, in the times where I can't hear him, in the times that I just don't know where he is, that if I seek him with all of my heart, that I will find him. And I needed that reminder to be visible to the people around me, that when you feel like you are alone and God doesn't care, hey, if you seek him with all of your heart, you will find him. But Martha, she just wouldn't stop. And you know what happens when you're trying to take control of every area of your life and you're so busy that you don't have time to spend time with the, the one who is truly in control? You start getting tired. It's exhausting to try to be in control of a life that really isn't in our control. And if you're tired, and if that's you today, and the burden seems so heavy, 
Then Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. To be sitting at the feet of Jesus was to take on the posture of a disciple in those times, a role typically reserved for male students at the time. When Paul was sharing about his background in Acts chapter 22, he was talking about just where he grew up and, and the kind of studies that he did. And he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in the city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus because she was so eager to learn from him, to be his disciple, and not just to talk, not just to send requests, not just to make demands, not just to share about everything that was happening in her life, but to be a disciple and just learn from him. We need to sit, sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him. And this is what he says in Matthew 11. He says, learn from me and you will find rest for your souls. I was talking to a friend this week, and she was sharing how recently she started reading the Bible with a commentary. So she's not just reading it on her own, but she'll read it, and she reads the commentary next to it, and she was saying just how beautiful it is of how much she is learning, how the Old Testament is connected to the New Testament, and seeing the, the symbolisms and the deep meaning of how God has this beautiful plan of redemption and how rescuing the, the Israelites out of Egypt is just such an image and a foreshadow of how God would rescue us from, the, from our slavery of sin and how they crossed the Jordan and that then points it to our water baptism and she's just saying my mind is blown away by how beautiful Jesus is and how amazing his word is and she's just learning at the feet of Jesus. But I have to confess that this verse always got to me though my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, I've been a Christian for a while and, and it doesn't really feel easy or light a lot of the time. But Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 11. And if we go back to Matthew chapter 7, just a few chapters before, we read Jesus saying something that seems completely opposite. He says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. I can relate to difficult. The road is difficult. See, what Jesus was saying was not that life would be easy and problem free. Like Jesus is very clear that by following him, the road is difficult. We will face many troubles. We will go through all kinds of persecution and face many trials in this broken and in this sinful world. But in everything, 
What Jesus is saying in Matthew chapter 11 is that by coming to him and by learning from him, we find rest because we don't have to face anything alone. We find rest because Jesus starts lifting your burdens, because Jesus starts saying that I am here. And as we learn from him, we understand his magnificent plan to redeem us and perfect us. And the fact that he's preparing a room for us and all of a sudden we're able to look at our lives in the scope of eternity and all of a sudden we can connect with first peter chapter 5 verse 10 where this life we are suffering only a little while and that nothing compares to the goodness and to the majesty of god and so i know that the road is difficult i know that you're facing all kinds of trials but come to me learn from me let me change your vision let me open the eyes of your heart to see who i am to see what i am doing and all of a sudden you find rest and all of a sudden you realize that my yoke is easy and my burden is light and in me you start to feel strength and in me you start to feel joy and in me you start to feel peace in the midst of the biggest storm come to me learn from me listen to me and you will find rest for your souls see mary sat at the feet of jesus to learn from him because she understood that jesus wasn't just a guest in their house he wasn't just a rabbi or a good friend. He was the awaited Messiah. He was the son of God who was with God and who was God. Did you know that Mary appears three times in the Gospels? The first time is at this meal. The second time is when her brother Lazarus dies. And the third time is at another meal. And each and every time, that Mary is mentioned in the Bible, guess where she is? At the feet of Jesus. In this meal, she's at the feet of Jesus as a disciple, learning from him. A, a position that's usually given to a man, but, but she just wants to be with him and learn from him. In John chapter 11, she's at the feet of Jesus, mourning the loss of her brother who Jesus was about to raise to life in one of the most beautiful miracles that he does on earth. In John chapter 12, she's at the feet of Jesus, anointing him with perfume, wiping his feet with her hair, preparing him for burial, where he would later resurrect and save us all from our sins. Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. And by doing so, she learned, she worshiped, she broke cultural barriers, she served him, she aligned herself with what Jesus was doing. She became known for her devotion. See, Martha is not a villain. She's imperfect. In so many ways, like Mary was too. Martha was serving but she became distracted. And so Jesus was calling her from her distraction to devotion. I want to call the worship team up, please. God wants to keep working through your life to do incredible things. He wants to use you to do amazing things for his glory. But he is gently and patiently calling you to himself today. And so I want to ask you, how's your prayer life? 
How much time are you spending with Jesus? How much time away from the world, away from your iPhone, away from your job, away from your kids? How much time are you spending with him? Not just trying to build and, and to grow and to see impact and to see fruit and to see results and to, to find affirmation and all of that and to find motivation, to find identity and all of that. But how much are you actually just coming to Jesus? You see, everything that we do, everything that we build, everything that we aim to ever do or ever be has to be just wrapped up in who Jesus is. He has to be the spark. He has to be the foundation. He has to be the starting point. He has to be the purpose. He has to be the alpha and the omega of everything that you do in this life. And man, I don't, I don't really know what that looks like. We pastor the church and we lead the Lisbon Project and we have two daughters under the age of three and life is pretty hectic. Going into my room alone is a rarity in my life. <laughs> But I so desire to be with Jesus. I so desire to fall in love with him all over again. Hearing his voice saying, Gabby, Gabby. And man, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to be so busy trying to do things for him that I forget him. Will you just turn your attention to him this morning? Holy Spirit, do a work that only you can do in our hearts. Draw us close to you. Put a desire in our hearts to want to be with you. To make time for you. Lord, that we will be a church, that prayer isn't just this small thing, this, this quick thing we do and we go through the motions of saying the right words. No, but prayer, being with you and being in your presence and speaking to you and listening from you and learning from you is the heart of everything we do. It is the point. It is the purpose. It is the mission. It is what we want to do is to draw near to you, to your heart. God, I pray that we will learn from you. And as we sit and learn from you and understand what you are doing and start seeing our lives with different eyes and our faith begins to increase because we start to know who you are and be reminded of your power and be reminded of your love, God, I pray. Draw us close to you. That everything that we seek to do will be an overflow of our personal relationship with you. No one else can have that relationship for me. God, that we may invest. We are so perfectly loved. God, that in your presence, as we learn from you, we will find rest from all the pressures, from all the expectations, from all the criticisms, all the comments, all the standards that other people around us put up. God, we just want to please you. We want to be in obedience to you. 
We don't want to go through the motions. We want to be in love, passionate, excited, filled with joy, finding strength in you, no matter the circumstances in our lives, no matter what's going on. It's in your presence that we find mercy. It's in your presence that we can rest. We worship you this morning. Let's worship church.